Well, greetings in the name of Jesus, Christ's love church. Oh, greetings in the name of Jesus. Man, as Pastor Aaron said, my name is Jacob and I serve as one of the pastors here. So if we have not gotten to connect, I want to get to know you. But also if you're a young professional, I want to get to know you as well. Uh, we here have a young professional ministry, 23 to 34. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun things. Our volunteer uh, young professional director, Matt Cohen, he's cooking He's cooking some really cool things happening in our young professional ministry. A lot of the times you feel isolated in that age gap. So if you're a young professional, I want to engage with you. I want to connect with you because we even got something called Summer Nights uh, coming up this Tuesday. So if you're doing anything this Tuesday, well, you need to just go to Summer Nights. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I want to give a shout out to him. But also, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. And you know what? It is the national day where we hear the crackling of bacon happening in uh, the, the kitchen. It's the natural day where the dad goes and says, hey, I just got to go golf today for some reason. I just got to go to the golf course. Uh, it's the day where you have to give permission for the very bad dad joke that you just have to say, all right, just give it to me. Let me receive it. It's that kind of day. It's also the day for you dads, the wonderful noise of when you get in that lazy boy and there's that little lever and you hit that little crick because you laid all the way back, it's national day for you to sit in the lazy boy. Uh, so it is a very uh, good morning. Uh, it's a great day in our household because it's a Father's Day uh, where I got to physically uh, be uh, with my son, Elijah. And I, I tell you what, uh, thank you. Uh, I tell you what, it has been a beautiful and messy, messy, messy journey. If there's anything that I want to share is fatherhood is messy. In fact, the place where I read scripture, the place where I'm reading different books, uh, is no longer the place where I'm reading books anymore uh, because I normally have my cup of coffee on the side. And he, in his adventurous, curious state, uh, with just that, that, the googly eyes of just wanting to see, oh, that's something I shouldn't touch. Uh, so he goes up to uh, my coffee mug, and he, apparently, God made him an artist, and he just went all over the walls with with my coffee uh, and made a, a beautiful, beautiful mess. Um, but you know what? That has been the fatherhood journey. It's, it's full of mess, but it's full of beauty. And I tell you what, we all have experiences with that word, dad. We all have experiences with that word, dad. Sometimes it's experiences where it's the most beautiful. Uh, you're reminiscing. Remember this time? It was great here. And other times, it's just an absolute mess when we think about that word, dad. And if I can be honest with you as, as my congregation that I get to walk alongside, this has been a very vulnerable experience for me preparing to preach to you today. It has been a very vulnerable experience because my journey has been a whole lot more of a mess. I know that I'm a young dad and I'm in process. There are a lot of things that I'm still learning. But I have been a son my entire life. And if there's anything that I've experienced this week is just a raw vulnerability of how hard this is. Even midweek, I had uh, the sermon titled uh, Wisdom for the Sons. And even in just the vulnerable space that Holy Spirit was making me go to, like, hey, Jacob, you actually got to feel this. I had to change the sermon title. 
So please hear me. This is going to be hard for me. But I believe that it's necessary to go into these spaces because God is in those spaces. God is in those spaces. I want to say uh, from the very beginning that, yes, this is going to be a sermon to the dads. This is going to be a sermon to the men. So I want to say this right now. Women of God, do not check out. Do not check out on me. Because healthy men impact a society. Healthy men impact a society. So for me to be led in this scripture, I'm already believing that God is in solidarity with you right now. So that's why we are going into this and that's why we're taking the time to specifically talk about dads. So this sermon is entitled Fatherhood Perspectives. Fatherhood Perspectives. If you can, go ahead and turn, whether on your phone or in the scriptures, uh, to the book of Proverbs, to Proverb chapter 4. Proverb chapter 4. And as you are turning there, I'm going to pray, and we're just going to get into the scripture together for what Holy Spirit has for us. Proverb chapter 4. Holy Spirit, go before us and make a way. Go before us and make a way. We are your servants. And today we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, for me, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Father, this is my worship to you today. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Proverb chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Proverb chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, says this. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the book of Proverbs is a part of this section of scripture that we call wisdom literature. It's for the people of God to walk in the way of God, that we soon will know the name Jesus, to walk in the way of Jesus. It's wisdom literature. And in this specific proverb, we see King Solomon, uh, the one who is talking to his son, Solomon, who is addressing them, saying to pay attention to my instruction so that you can understand what is good. He's cultivating for his sons a discerning space, a discerning space where they would find joy. Solomon is reminiscing even about what his father had taught him, his father being King David, the man who is after God's own heart. That even when Solomon was at David's deathbed, he says, David, to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, he says this to Solomon. Hey, Solomon, be strong and be a man. Be strong and be a man. 
and keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. And this was the promise. If your sons guard their way to walk faithfully before me with all of their heart and with all of their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. The most important thing that David was saying to his son Solomon, the most important thing that we need to hear today is that sons, men, need to walk faithfully before the Lord. That is the most important thing that Solomon was giving, uh, receiving from David. So today, in that space, in the space of wisdom, I want to give us four fatherhood perspectives. Men of God, I want to give us four fatherhood perspectives so that we can walk faithfully before the Lord. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you about these four perspectives, okay? The first two, I warn against. The first two, I warn against. The second two, I hope we are working to cultivate in our lives. So again, the first two, I warn against. But the second two, I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, we cultivate in our lives. So here is the first fatherhood perspective. The absent dad. The absent dad. On Wednesdays, I get to have a lot of time with Elijah. It's my days where I get to practice the rhythm of Sabbath. And when I am uh, sitting with Elijah, I'm also reminiscing on my own childhood. Again, I've heard that perspective uh, early on in my uh, fatherhood journey of just like, hey, you're going to have new eyes to see uh, their world uh, when you are uh, fathering. And one of the movies that I loved growing up uh, with was Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet. It was just one of those movies that, I mean, it was just in the groups of like the Goofy movie uh, and uh, uh, Atlantis. Like these are some of the best Disney movies. But anyway, if you don't know what Treasure Planet is, it's basically the animation adaptation of Treasure Planet is. And it tells the story of this boy, this young man, Jim Hawkins, who is journeying through this, this life of manhood where he has experienced a dad that walked out on him. And he's learning how to work with this reality that he even joins uh, this ship uh, onto Treasure Planet where there's this big planet where all this treasure is. And there's this guy named Cyborg. He's an undercover pirate working as the chef. And one of the things that Cyborg is tasked to do is to give uh, Jim these tasks, just all these nameless tasks so he can just work and work and work. But one thing that none of them expected was that there was this fatherhood relationship happening between Cyborg and Jim, this mentoring relationship that was beginning. And it was in a very vulnerable space that Jim, what we see as the viewers, uh, that Jim sees what life was like with his dad. That when we see the scene, he's a young boy, and we never see the dad's face. We see the dad uh, just off in the distance. He's trying to come with his toys. The dad's not really there. 
And one morning, very early, he hears this noise and sees his dad with a packed bag walking out on the family. And he recklessly gets out of his bed like, no, no, no. And runs after his dad, but it's too late. His dad has sailed out of the picture. When I watched that scene, I was like, man, that's what absent dads do. They create holes where children should have experienced love and security. Absent dads create holes where kids should have experienced love and security. But it's not just physical absence. It's not just walking out of the picture. What I love about our church is that we have been walking through a a fatherhood group. Some of us dads have been gathering on Monday mornings uh, to test my sanctification to get up at 5.30 in the morning to come uh, to gather at 6.30. But in that space, what I have loved about these dads, uh, one of them said this uh, specifically, that they didn't experience uh, a physical absence, but rather his dad was not emotionally and spiritually available. The dad was there physically, but he was not emotionally and physically available. When I heard that phrase, I was like, man, that's a lot of my own journey with my dad. I remember coming home. I remember coming home around 4 p.m. after football practice. Mom, uh, mom already had dinner ready because in Filipino culture, you just ate early. Um, And I wanted to sit at the table with my dad, tell him about my day. But as soon as dad came home, he went straight into the bedroom and closed the door. All he did was he watched politics. And when he came out, he was so angry, he didn't want to talk about anything. Me as a son, I just wanted my dad to ask me questions. Like, how's your day? But instead, what I got exposed to was a man who was just so frustrated at an evil government, in his words, that he never actually saw what was right in front of him, a son. So when I heard uh, that dad say that in our fatherhood group, I was like, man, that, that hits me. I just wanted my dad to sit at the dinner table with me, and that was it. It reminded me of my early year of marriage when Catherine was a resident director at Trevecca Nazarene University, and we had a lot of college students, and if there's anything that we learned about college students, like what is actually authentic, try being a resident director, uh, or try being a resident director's husband, uh, where uh, uh, all, all the ladies were asking me to, to dance at like 10 p.m. I was like, Catherine, do I have to do that? And she's like, no, you don't actually have to do that. Um, it, it was just hard being a resident director husband. Uh, but one day, coming from the church uh, that I was working at, I, I worked at a, a church that had a lot of models of excessive work. Um, when I was coming home, I was constantly thinking about ministry and I was in physically in the room, but Catherine asked this question. She said, are you home? Are you home? Like, of course, of course I'm home. I'm here. She's like, no, you're not. You're somewhere else. Emotionally, Spiritually, you're somewhere else. I need you to be home. And that struck me to my core that I wasn't actually home with my wife, that I couldn't even really emotionally process. And what happens with absent dads is that when they are not home, they're not emotionally and spiritually available to even show 
who they really are. I love this quote from David Thomas. He's a, he's a great Christian therapist. Uh, I love uh, reading through this book. One of the things that I have journeyed through, is it's, it's called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. He says this, boys need to hear men talk about failures and disappointments, hopes and dreams. They need to know the men you talk openly with when your heart is breaking or you experience fear or uncertainty. They need to sit around the dinner table and hear the males in their lives talk about their day, the highs and lows, the wins and losses, and the emotions behind the reporting. Boys need to see that emotions reside in the life of a man. Not just boys, but girls too. They need to have a dad that confesses, that shares, who's emotionally and spiritually available. So I want to say this. If you have had a dad that was absent, please hear me. You are not less loved because he was absent. You are not less loved because your dad was absent. You are not less loved because your dad was absent. So that's the first perspective. Here's the second one. The abusive dad. The abusive dad. I need to come right out the gate to say this right now, okay? Abuse is wickedness. Abuse is wickedness. If it's emotional, physical, domestic, verbal, child, spiritual, it's all wickedness. You need to hear that today. It's all wickedness. Emotional abuse, what on earth is that? That's when uh, that we use fear and shame to create some kind of outcome. This is when you start using phrases like, what is gaslighting? And gaslighting is when a manipulator will try to twist the truth in order to get a certain kind of outcome, whether out of a kid or a spouse. And can I just tell you, that is straight out of the enemy's like strategy book. That was the first thing he did in Genesis 3. The very first thing. Abuse on all kinds is wickedness. I even think about uh, the story of Lot uh, and how um, uh, Abraham's son, Lot, that when he is having hospitality to angels, these wicked men come to the house and they say, hey, uh, we want to uh, have relations for for sake of words. We want to have relations with those angels. And Lot immediately gives up his children, his daughters to these wicked men. That's not a dad. That's a dad who's careless. In Filipino culture, one of the things that happens, and this is something that has happened in my own family, uh, on, on, on my mom's side, that in Filipino culture, if you don't have enough money to make ends meet, you will literally sell your child. You will sell your child in order to have a sufficient existing kind of life. And a lot of this is because Men do not know how to walk in their emotions and in this life. A lot of abuse can happen when dads are not emotionally and spiritually available. Emotionally and spiritually healthy. In fact, 
we have adopted this fallacy that it is more manly, listen, that it is more manly to restrict or rampage our feelings than to recognize and relegate, regulate our feelings. And it is the, is the people around us that pay the price. Something about us accepted this reality that we have to restrict or rampage our feelings rather than to actually recognize and regulate them. And it's the people around us that pay the price. Nothing's worse than when a child or a spouse experience the sneak attack from a dad. Nothing's worse. One of the articles I read this week, the article was called Honoring Your Father When He Is Evil. The lady was struggling. She said, man, I've read the Ten Commandments. And it says, honor your father and mother. But I just can't do it. He's not an honorable man. What do I do with that? And in the article, she said that when I actually read the Ten Commandments, it had more to do with the character of God and his faithful love to his people. Way more to do with that. That even when it came to that, I was freed to see that I'm not supposed to honor evil men, but to honor a good God. And in that story, I was come to the grasp to think this. The character of God is never on the side of abusers. Maybe you need to hear that. The character of God is never on the side of abusers. Never. Child, spouse. The character of God is never on the side of abusers. John Tyson Uh, the author of the book that our fatherhood group uh, is going through called The Intentional Father, uh, he said this. Men sometimes use the strength they have to oppress people. They draw on snippets and sound bites from random places as their source of philosophy. Often without a historic or deep code of ethics, they are violent or passive. The two opposite sides of measured courage. And they are at times known by lack of restraint and given over to excess. Whether it be in the boardroom or the bedroom, men seem to have lost their way. Foolishness, excess, cowardice, and oppression are wreaking havoc and destroying men. There is a call by the power of the Holy Spirit for abusive men to repent. There is a call by the power of the Holy Spirit for abusive men to repent. And if that has been your experience, let me tell you this. That was not a man. That was a tyrant. That was not a man. That was a tyrant. Because when I hear David say to Solomon, be a man. That was not a man. That was a tyrant. If that has been your experience of your dad. Can I be transparent with you that no words up here am I going to say that's going to make things better. But I want to say this, our pastoral staff and hopefully what it means to be the church, we sit in solidarity where we do not have words to try to fix, but a presence that weeps with you. I also want to say that we here at CIL Church completely affirm counseling. We completely affirm therapists. My wife is in that mental health field. And I want you to hear from the platform, it's okay to go in those spaces of bravery 
Because God does healing work in those spaces. He partners in those spaces. So I know that those two perspectives are so heavy. But I believe that we had to expose them because maybe that has been your experience with Father's Day. That, oh, well, we got to celebrate this, but this has been my experience. I've either had an absent dad or an abusive dad. We had to expose the strategy of the devil. So that's why I took the time to warn you of those two perspectives. But now I want to move us to two perspectives that I hope that we work at. And it's this. The first one is the adopted dad. The adopted dad. Dads ought to parent out of their sonship. Dads ought to to parent out of their sonship. Before you are called dada by your child, you are called son by your heavenly father. That is the very first thing. So that even if you have experienced this, we should not parent despite our earthly father. We should parent in delight of our heavenly father. We should not parent despite our earthly father. We should parent in delight of our heavenly father. That's how we ought to parent because our heavenly father, he just loves you, man. In Galatians chapter four, it says this. When the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Here's the gospel. To redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as what? Sons. And because you are sons, that's a truthful statement. It's being said over you men. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. Man, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. An heir. One of the first things uh, when we were in the, the space, uh, our doula was doing such a great work. Her name was Chrissy. Uh, when I, we were, well, not, I was not giving birth, but when Catherine was giving birth, I was in the space. Uh, and just being in there, I, I learned a whole lot about that experience. And I was reading through the intentional father at that time. And one of the things that I learned was that in in Roman culture, that when a dad uh, looks at their child, they will literally raise up their child to say that they are raising up their child. And they will say, I want you. That was the very first thing that I said to my son was, I want you. Because that's what I wanted to hear growing up. And listen, men, the very moment you got out of bed, was where Heavenly Father literally raised you up out of the bed and said, I want you. That is the very thing that he did this morning. So if you feel not wanted today, he literally rose you up out of the bed and said, I want you. And that is what happens when we recognize that we are adopted as dads, that we are wanted. So dads, your son's first. Your child was given to you to steward well. Not to worship your child, but to steward well so that you can see that you are a son first. That you are a son first. Hear this. Kids don't need a perfect dad. Okay? You're going to mess up. 
I've already had multiple times, and it's only been almost a year. Kids don't need a perfect dad, but what they do need is an imperfect dad that cries out, Abba, Father. They don't need a superhero dad, but they need a dad who knows he's a son. Your child doesn't need you to be a superhero. Your child, if anything, needs you to know that you're a son. And that leads us to the last perspective, the abiding dad. The abiding dad. There is no more important place for men to be than with Jesus. There is no more important place for dads to be than with Jesus. And the beautiful part is when you're intentional at your, at your child's ball game, when she's singing a song at a musical, uh, when they're painting, when you're reading scripture together, when you're laughing together, when you're in the car and you don't even know what to say to your child, Jesus is right there with you. So the most important place for dads to be is with Jesus. You've heard this scripture before, John 15. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I think oftentimes... I don't want to create generalized statements, but I think oftentimes we compare ourselves to other dads because we're not abiding with Jesus. Again, I don't want to create a generalized statement. I just want to create perspective that maybe sometimes we compare ourselves to other dads because we're not abiding with Jesus. Can I tell you something? Your child is not like any other child in this world. They are uniquely and wonderfully made. Therefore, you are not going to be like that one dad or this dad or this dad or this dad. And you would know that when you abide in the presence of Jesus because he's going to affirm you as the son of God. That you're already loved. You don't gotta be like that one guy. Listen, there's sometimes that I look at some, some of you guys, y'all dress cool. I don't got that swagger. But... Because of Jesus. And sometimes it's so hard to get me there. I'm so grateful for Holy Spirit and how when I don't want to, he takes me. He takes me. And the beautiful thing about that is because there is no shame. There is no shame in the, the abiding of Jesus. And a lot of you men, a lot of you dads are carrying a lot of shame. Because you have either felt like you've screwed up or it's too late. But in the abiding of Jesus, he reminds you again that you're a son and that the only thing that happens in the abiding is an again and again kind of love. That's what you experience. An again and again kind of love. So these four perspectives, again, the two that I warn against and the two that I hope that we work at, I pray that if there's anything for you dads, for you men, that you would recognize that Holy Spirit has gone before this day. And I'm actually going to ask us to do something. It might cause a little bit of uncomfort. And I think that's okay. We went through four perspectives. 
And now we're going to say four truths. Because I think there's something powerful when we declare the truth as men. If you are comfortable, whether you're 18 years old or 80 years old, whether you are a, a, a father, a father figure, or have the spirit of fatherhood, I want to ask you to stand. If you are a father, a father figure, or have the spirit of fatherhood, I want to ask you to stand. With each statement, we will take a breath and we'll, we will affirm truth together, okay? Here's the first truth. I am a son. Take a deep breath. Say it again. I am a son. Here's the second truth. My God wants me. Here we go. My God wants me. Take a breath. Say it again. My God wants me. Here's the third truth. I am not a failure. Let's say it. I am not a failure. Take a breath. Let's say it again. I am not a failure. And then lastly, my God won't leave me. Let's say it. My God won't leave me. Take a breath. One last time. My God won't leave me. I hope as you are standing that you stand on those four truths. That you are a son. That God wants you. That you're not a failure. And that God won't leave you. Would you all be seated? As we move to a time where we take the elements together. I want us to ponder on just a few thoughts. As Aubrey comes and make his way, makes his way, I want, her, I want us to ponder on these few thoughts. Sometimes we don't come to the altar because maybe we feel like we, we see God as a principle, Right? rather than the God who just wants to be with us. So if there's any invitation, men of God, women of God, if there's any invitation, these steps are not a place of condemnation. These steps are not a place of shame. These elements are not a space where we just participate in routine. It's where we have communion with God. This Father who wants you and loves you. So with all eyes closed, whether you want to make your seat an altar or come to the front for just a few moments, would you ponder on how good God is?